you're about to hear my conversation with Benoit Gervais and Ono Ritten. We talk all about why inflation is likely to be sticky and how to think about incorporating different asset classes in your portfolios because of it. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be here with two guests, Benoit Gervais, who leads our resource team, and Ono Rutten, who uh, works with Benoit on all things resource, including metals and mining. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Benoit, why don't we get started with you? Uh, and uh, I'd love your perspective on the recent economic growth that we've seen uh, for the first part of 2023. Um, there's certainly been a, a fair amount of uh, tailwinds. Markets have responded uh, very strongly uh, to news of China reopening, uh, Europe seemingly avoiding the worst of, uh, of the winter, uh, and uh, continued strength in the U.S. consumer. I'd love your view on what that means going forward and specifically what it might mean for the resource sector. Yes, Matthew, I think the rising rates of last year, the potential disaster in Europe, there was no reopening at the time in November of China, was leaving a lot of investors thinking that the worst had yet to come, that the recession was uh, unavoidable, uh, the rates were doing their work and slowing perhaps too rapidly the world economy. Um, and then today we're finding ourselves in a very different situation, right? Where there is a lot more hope. Um, uh, China has reopened. Uh, we are largely past the disaster scenario of Europe and the consumer in the U.S., has been able to absorb uh, those rate hikes. I mean, housing was one of the major source of fear where people thought that the 30-year rising to level of 6 7% would break everything. And in the end, actually, a combination of uh, small price breaks in housing, for instance, uh, a salary increase in the mid-single digits, and then you have the 30-year pullback, uh, 50, 100 basis points, and actually house sales are doing just fine. And that's probably a good example of, of how this uh, story has evolved from a disaster for sure is coming to a, you know what, actually we can absorb this. Uh, mind you, however, the price of, of assets are still down, right? Stock market, sure. bond market. So the value of those assets have come down point to point, uh, although they have recovered uh, somewhat. They were down point to point because people have to price in this long-term expectations around inflation, perhaps some slower growth, higher rates. Um, so wh where to go from here? That's uh, that's exactly the question that we need to dig into. Um, so you've painted a picture that's, uh, I'll say, somewhat optimistic. Uh, you do note that uh, it, the inflation is um, is still uh, needing to be priced in. Assets are down. Um, what's your view, I guess, on uh, the path of inflation? That seems like it underpins a lot of uh, the concerns or, or the prospect of where the economy will head. Yeah, I think that's been the debate for everybody, right? Is this inflation a, a very short-term consideration? 
right? And we're going to resume the trend we were on for the past 20, 30, 40 years. Inflation was riding low or riding lower. And we've had over the past, I don't know, several quarters, point to point rising inflation. And then just more recently, the indication that, uh, as I was saying earlier, that uh, interest rates rising, we were taming, if you want, this inflation. Now, the question is taming to what? Is right. it, are we bringing them back to the usual 2% that everybody's talking about? Or are we talking about perhaps a level that resembles that of the past 30, 40, 50 years, which is closer to the mid 3%, right? And if you look at the futures curve, is it something that's priced into the, the fixed income market? Pretty much the market is thinking is business as usual. We are going to bring down the next 10 year average to two and a quarter, which is pretty close to the previous uh, decade's average, uh, instead of the long term average of the mid threes. Right. So you have to start thinking to you uh, by yourself here is thinking, well, OK, which one of those scenarios is the most likely one going forward? Because it will have a massive impact on assets and what you want to own going forward and get to retirement safely. Right. Uh, maybe we'll double click on that and talk about inflation and, and where you're. Uh, it sounds like you're maybe a little bit skeptical about the longer term rates getting back down to two and a quarter um, what are it, it first confirm if I've detected your skepticism, uh, and then second, what are some of the underlying uh, conditions that make you think that inflation might be a little higher uh, or closer to the longer term average? Yeah, I think we touched on those uh, reasons in the past, but you're right. I mean, the, the highly skeptical find it very unlikely that we can reach the same level of inflation. Uh, yet, as a society, be able to reach all the new goals that we have set for ourselves, which is, you know, most importantly right now is climate change, environment, social justice, bringing back uh, jobs to America and Europe because uh, we, we fear of supply chains and even some geopolitical issues are driving the, uh, some of those movements. Uh, we want to deal with infrastructure because we have underinvested for the past 15, 20 years on infrastructure. You put it all together and really none of those long-term objectives are going to cost less. They right. will cost more, yet produce not more uh, goods and services. We'll probably have exact same amount of goods and services, albeit we're going to do it very differently. Right. So if we want uh, polysilicon for our solar panels, um, but we have higher standards uh, in that we don't want to have slave labor in that polysilicon, we want to have a very short supply chain uh, and we want to have an environmental footprint that is much cleaner than what is being done in China, for instance, where there's a lot of cheap polysilicon. Then you put it all together, you say, well, we're going to get the same amount of polysilicon if you build it here in America. It's just going to cost you more, right? So if you um, think that the productivity and technology was um, helping you over the past 20 years and it keeps repeating itself, we're talking about 1%. Going forward, you want to do all those things? I doubt 1% will be sufficient to offset all of those new objectives. 
Right. And those are all clearly very longer term uh, in nature. Maybe, Ono, I'll, I'll turn it to you for your perspective. Um, what asset classes tend to do well during uh, sort of these environments? And any comments on sort of Benoit's, uh, what he's put forth as uh, the fundamental drivers of inflation? Yeah, I, I, the, the drivers are very clear. Um, but there is this, this, this magic objective to stay to the 2% in long-term inflation. I think if we look forward, it's also the ability of central banks and politicians to defend higher inflation. And a level of 3-4% of inflation could actually be quite beneficial for the middle class. Hmm. Uh, so it could be polit politically much more tolerable than we think. Uh, because all these trends that Benoit describes, first of all, it's something that society wants. We want cleaner energy, we want better supply chains. Uh, but a lot of these trends also create new jobs right. in North America, in particular, if we take the, the U.S. market here as the center point of this discussion. Uh, the reshoring and the infrastructure built are actually benefiting mm. the middle class in North America. So therefore, I think it actually could be very much a, a societal acceptance that 3-4% inflation is acceptable. And so far, we're seeing wage increases, especially uh, in the US and in Canada, or in that 3 to 4% range. Right. So maybe it's not a bad thing to focus on that number and to say, well, that's maybe the new happy point for society. Go forward. Makes a lot of sense. So in that scenario, middle class seemingly wins. They have access to better jobs. There is this uh, capital spending that is much required for both the uh, energy transition as well as uh, replenishing our stock of infrastructure. Who loses in this scenario? It's the investor. Okay. <laughs> we need to, of course, talk about the elephant in the room here because the difference between 2% inflation and 4% inflation on the average portfolio is massive. Hmm. And we need to start discussing what the asset classes are in a portfolio go forward in that 4% inflation world. Right. Benoit, uh, would you agree with that? And, and what are some of those asset classes that you think make sense in a 4% inflation? I think, I think the problem is, is that uh, going forward, if you accept this notion, then you have to accept that Asset classes that have worked in the past couple of decades are not going to work. Some of the key um, ingredients to a winning recipe, economically speaking, will not be present, right? So say uh, we just describe here global trade, in a sense, coming down, then the flavor of the company you may be buying will be very different, right? We were looking for companies that went global had a global presence. Now we're saying, we're suggesting essentially just the opposite, right? In terms of, of trends. So if you want to make sure you can get to retirement and, and get those uh, inflation on your side, right? Inflation ingredients on your side to help you with your portfolio make more, not less, then you have to change dramatically the type of assets that you're going to own. And uh, let's take a, a very simple example here. So over the past 30, 40 years, we've had declining interest rates. And therefore, every time you bought a 10-year bond, um, you could, the following year after buying it, sell it at a premium. Because most of the time, the interest rates would have been lower on average. 
And not only would you have, would you have collected the interest rates, you would have collected the gain on the face value of that bond, right? Uh, and as such, the average duration of a bond portfolio is about uh, seven, eight years, which looks like a 10-year bond, actually. Um, and why have we picked that duration or that time of that time of frame? Well, it's because you've been able to extract all of those extra returns. Now, if I told you we're reversing that trend and every time you try to sell your bond after buying it a year later and is down, what will happen to you? You'll most likely hold on to your bond. And today it's three and a half percent and basically lock in that three and a half percent versus whatever inflation expectation you have. So if inflation expectation, then I'm correct, uh, move from two and a quarter and then realize three and a half percent, more like the past 30 years, you're going nowhere fast towards retirement. You're just keeping up and protecting your nest egg. You're not getting ahead towards a, a greater value in your nest egg for your retirement. So instead, uh, in the current environment, we look at the three and a half uh, percent on the 10 year and you go closer to the very short 10, then you're going to get into the high fours and maybe 5% soon. Now you're perhaps uh, clipping an extra 1% above or one and a half percent above that long-term inflation. Now it's a very different approach to investing. It's been all about long duration. And I'm telling you just the opposite. It's all about short duration. Uh, so the most difficult thing for people to do is not to look at a textbook and say, okay, what's done well during inflationary time is accept that what's worked is not going to, and I need something that's dramatically different that was being advised to be very good over the past uh, 10 years, then I need to go against that and buy something else. That's very difficult. Right. So maybe just to be more precise uh, on that point, uh, if I'm thinking about an investor's life cycle, um, it sounds like you're saying uh, investors that are working, they're in the, the labor force, they're going to benefit from wage increases, they're going to benefit from hopefully plentiful jobs uh, in, uh, in middle class jobs. Um, and if it's at the expense of the investors, to me, to my mind, it's it's the the workers that have just entered retirement or are on the cusp of retirement. Uh, what would you recommend that they start looking at? Uh, you, you mentioned going from longer duration to shorter duration, uh, fixed income. What else will they have to put in their portfolios? And is there a way to achieve this with the same degree of risk? So we went back in history and tested what we would call this inflation protection portfolio against what has become this traditional 60-40, which is 60% MSCI world, 40% uh, global bonds. Uh, and that 40%, as I said, is more like a seven-year duration, which is 10-year right. bonds. And then in that 60%, it would be mostly growth. Uh, people will have also the 60-40, right? S&P 500, which is 40% a US-based uh, fixed income index. And it would end up with essentially 10 years plus growth uh, at 75% of that equity component. And I'm saying, well, wh why have we come up with those rules? Well, it's just a product of the history, right? That Those are the things that have done well for those past decades. And we have triangulated to the best possible deal we could get. So you contrast that, that uh, 
uh, leaders uh, 60 40 balance fund against what this inflation fund would have done is that what you notice is that when inflation is rising a combination of very short duration like two years duration okay with value with commodity and some resources essentially what's creating this inflation right so the 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 ingredients for inflation do well unsurprisingly against industries in asset class that suffer from inflation wow hey that's a big finding right so uh now the question is again what what can you buy today no cycle is exactly the same sure uh some of those ingredients for inflation are the same right commodities will do well so perhaps you would have some of that um perhaps i'm having some more local businesses and I'm not too sure that was the case in the 60s and 70s because we were just entering globalization. So I can't right. uh, use that uh, time period and say it's going to be exactly the same. But you can start seeing, though, there are some points of resemblance today versus the 1960s or 70s, which is the last period of very high inflation. So... Um, you go after value because of short duration. That makes sense. You go after short duration bonds because the interest rates are higher and you're long the inflation. Uh, if you're working, then you're fine because you are long inflation. So you'll probably get somewhat protected uh, in a sense because your wages will reset in, in, in the type of environment we've just described. But if you're closer to retirement, then that's where the really gutsy choices are having to be made. Right. Like as you enter retirement, there's only a few levers at your control. Um, and one is uh, the amount of time in retirement, of course. So short of picking up smoking and uh, heading to a, an early uh, death uh, probability, uh, you know, I guess focusing on increasing your rate of return would make sense or at least getting different components in there. That's right. So so commodities, for instance, would not be part of people's portfolio when they are close to retirement. It is perceived as high volatility right. and, and uh, difficult to time. And at most of the time of the past uh, several decades has been a money losing proposition. So why would you do that? And what we found, again, if you have a, a proportion of commodities in your portfolio during rising inflationary time, the volatility comes down it does not increase, right? And the, and the returns improve as well. So it really depends on what the kind of environment you think you're going to be going forward. Because if you think it's more like what we've seen over the past couple of decades, then I think the most uh, bought strategies, the 60-40 balance classic MSCI and long-term bond strategy will do just fine. However, if you're thinking like me that some of those long-term trends are likely to persist and translate into higher inflation, then you probably want to change your mix ASAP. And just to add to that, last year, because Benoit is very much referring to these long-term studies that sure. were conducted, but last year obviously has shown exactly that. If you go back over the past 12 months, having had um, the perceived risky commodities and resources 
and value in a portfolio would have actually provided a much smoother ride right. than the average investor has experienced last year because of the massive revaluation of growth equities and long duration bonds that occurred in the portfolios. That's what was the true source of volatility last year. Right. Uh, so what you've you've both laid out is a fairly compelling case uh, that the regime has shifted at least somewhat, uh, going away from a traditional 60-40, maybe a more growth tilted, maybe a longer duration portfolio to something that uh, needs to think about and include uh, commodities, value type stocks. Um, I'm curious, what do both of you uh, look for to test that thesis? I mean, clearly, um, you, you've talked about the probability of either going back to the normal or perhaps you have stickier inflation and that leads to different outcomes. What are you looking for uh, in the coming days, months, years that will help you validate your, your position that you think uh, inflation is stickier? And what would cause you concern to say, you know what, maybe we're going back to a time period where 60-40 makes more sense? Well, I, I think that it's becoming more and more obvious that all of those uh, promises that the politicians have made to us will be much more expensive. Now, the question is, are we sticking with the plan? Uh, we had this uh, balloon, this uh, weather balloon, supposedly weather balloon right. flying yes. over us over the last week here. Um, and you can sense just by reading the response of the United States or Canada and China, that is not as business as usual. Hmm. everything is a little extra sensitive. Everybody's a little bit more competitive. Everybody worries about uh, uh, security. And I think that this is not just, um, I'm just going to say overinflating here, but that's a joke. The, <laughs> overinflating the topic here. but Only inflation on the I, mind, Benoit. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I think it's a probably, you're reading it in the paper. Sure. Right. It is a very coincident theme that we're looking at today. Something that is deeply embedded in our values. There are democratic values um, and we are trying to push those values. So the age of Dalarama here is coming to an end. Not that it's a I don't want to make a, a reference to the stock. I want to make a reference to the trend that brought us those very cheap goods where right. price was the most uh, most important factor in people's decision to buy or not to buy. Now we're inserting in our decisions process when we go shopping all kinds of other criteria. So is this going to be a day-to-day -day reconsideration, a long-term trend for me? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's going to be a multi-year trend where people will insert those new criteria in, in their everyday life and it will not drive down the price, it will drive up the price. And we had those periods in the 60s and 70s, right? It was about um, labor rights. Right. Okay, what was that about? Well, it wasn't about working more. Well, it was about working in a safer environment, getting a fair wage for what you did, getting treated equally. Um, uh, and there was a lot of legs to that story. And in the end, it ended up uh, driving inflation. That wasn't the only reason, but it drove the inflation up and led us as a society in a better spot. 
but it did cost us more. And to add to that, right now, even with all the pressures that you see on the, the individual household expenditures, etc., right. there doesn't seem to be pressure on governments to go the direction of austerity. Mm. If anything, we're actually demanding, as a, as a society, better health care. Sure. We're demanding the potholes to be fixed. Right. Um, we're demanding more railway lines, more subways. So there is no movement here towards austerity for the governments. And yet again, I'm going to say 4% inflation. It might not be such a bad scenario for governments because mm. remember, there's a mountain of debt yes. behind us. The best way to deal with a mountain of debt, and this is the, the gold investor also talking, is to deflate it away or inflate it away and therefore deflate the debt. Right. Um, so yet again, I, I don't think there's a movement here. If you see that culture changing, mm. if you see the headlines changing, then maybe that's one of your leading indicators that we, we're entering a different period. One of deflation, inflation sub 2% and right. shrink the whole thing. Right. But I don't think that shrinking society here and government budgets is, is where society at large wants to go. And if you look at the market indicators, maybe these are more the long-term societal indicators and the political indicators. For the market perspective, the, the main metric we keep on looking at is that five-year five year forward inflation expectation. That is what the markets at large are pricing in as an expectation of inflation. And right now that's still miraculously stuck at the 2.2%. Right. With a volatility of 0.05. Okay. So it's, 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 it's comatose. Sure. But that's where you need to look to see the market starting to price in an expectation of a higher inflation for longer. Right. And if that, if that pricing does proceed and the markets start pricing that in, everything that we've talked about, the short duration value commodities, that should benefit that as an asset class, allowing you to keep pace with inflation and continue to have a reasonable investment portfolio. Now, yeah, the biggest asset class out there is still the 10-year treasury. Right. That's where you look as well, of course, right. to see that creeping back up, the yields on that. Mm. The two would go inside. So that's where you look for the long-term expectations. Well, that's great, gentlemen. Uh, so in summary, as I think about the conversation, uh, effectively, um, the, the societal changes of uh, onshoring, of uh, greening the economy, the investment needed um, is helpful for middle-class jobs, going to bring with inflation with it. And the way that you're sort of viewing it uh, as, a, as a check to see if potentially things uh, can go the other way and revert back to where a traditional 60-40 would do well uh, is uh, signs of austerity, austerity from government or improved relations and globalization and the like, uh, which certainly seems like a trend we're not currently on. And no conversation about investing would be proper without identifying the risks to this scenario. Yes. Um, if central banks keep almost religiously harping on their 2% mandate. Although important to note that the Fed already, before all of this episode, changed their language to 2% on average 
right. through a long-term cycle, whatever that may be. Um, so they gave themselves already a bit of leeway, conveniently. But if they take the hardcore view that it has to be brought down below 2%, then the risks for you as an investor, of course, start increasing because the only way to achieve in today's world a sub-2% inflation tomorrow is to put the whole thing into a hard recession. Right. Um, I continue to believe that the job market is more important, especially a happy job market, a happy government probably will say, let's focus on that rather than on the 2% inflation. I think the societal benefits are, are obvious, and I think the central bankers will come to that conclusion as well. But if you see a overreaching by central banks, a return to 50, 75 beats rate hikes at every meeting, then of course the risks to this scenario increase. But I don't think that's on the agenda here. Well, let's conclude with that. Ono, Benoit, thanks for spending time with me. I uh, really appreciate you walking me through your views. Very interesting. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.